0: I have to go, number
1: three. Oh. You have to come? <laughs> Sorry, guys. coming I was three. really excited by that last episode. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm leaving this in. Welcome back to the Reroll Gaming Podcast. Um, I feel like this, this is
2: rather graphic uh, in the theater than mine, but I feel like there's a huge difference between somebody telling you I'm going to come <laughs> or I have to come. <laughs> <laughs> Just really passionately. You don't understand. <laughs> it just
3: makes
4: me picture they got really bad blue balls.
5: I
2: don't
3: think that's uh, yeah, how I'm that unfair. works.
2: Yeah. Blue, yeah.
5: green, purple, all of it. It's, oh
2: god. It's gonna pop. Ew. <laughs> oh, that's the line?
1: <laughs> uh I do have a fun icebreaker for you guys and as usual. Let me know if we've already done this because that's entirely possible. But what is, I'm curious, what is the first rated R movie you guys saw or remember Mm. as a kid?
2: I have a lot of weird fucked up memories of seeing movies before I was old enough to like process the terror that came with them.
1: I think that is our generation in general. Yeah.
4: (laughs) The Matrix was my first rated R movie.
1: The first Matrix? Yeah, the first Matrix. That's Mm. That's a good one.
4: My dad liked it enough that he let me watch it so he could have someone watch it with him.
1: <laughs> the
2: movie's not particularly, like, gory or anything. I think there's just a lot of swearing and yeah, stuff. Yeah, there's
1: sort And violence. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, mean, but I mean, it's America, you know. so that could be And PG. some kind of weird, yeah.
4: creepy, like, parasite-going-in-your-belly-button type yeah. scenes yeah, and stuff. Yeah, that's kind of
1: It's definitely up, some yeah. body horror. Yeah.
4: yeah. And yeah. the mouth getting closed up. Oh, that scene was creepy. Oh,
5: yeah. Hmm. <laughs> it's funny, Tanner, I think you and I were actually... Talking about it, maybe in the last episode, or maybe just before, uh mine was Rose red, Stephen King, Steven Spielberg, oh movie. yeah, 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 hmm. yeah, about a house that's alive and haunted and psychic and can not only fuck with your mind but also like physically fuck with itself, and uh it's like Monster house, yeah, except <laughs> yeah, yeah it's except exactly more like that, more so. of a kid's movie than Monster House.
1: <laughs> I always am a sucker for haunted house stuff we uh there's an adventure i wish i could remember who it's by um for delta green that's like a haunted house one called uh what is it called we played it the
4: one that we were playing
1: yeah we played it off air the spooner avenue one yeah um what was it called music from a darkened room highly recommend it Mm. it it's, yeah, that we we never so
4: finished it, but it was fucking creepy. It was really cool. It was really
1: that. good. I really want to play it again someday. We yeah. never got to finish it, but it was... That was my
4: D&D-loving like, cool. army chick character.
1: Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus, we've played a lot of games.
2: We finished some of them sometimes, too, which is pretty cool.
1: Not often.
4: <laughs> you guys seen the new Haunted Mansion movie? No, is it no. good? i haven't seen it yet but i want to watch
2: I it, this heard it, was, I it i thought it was really bad yeah it, looks it really oh, bad. That's,
4: sad. that's sad
2: i just i don't care about disney doing any live action or i guess that there was another live action one but
1: wasn't that one bad too
2: eh, it was like i don't know not good bad but it was like goofy bad
1: it's got a lot of
4: good actors in it though
1: good actors yeah. does not make a good movie
2: Well, I mean, Eddie Murphy's, it's kind of hard to watch him and not at least be a little bit entertained, even if the movie sucks. Yeah.
4: And Danny DeVito. Yeah. He's in the new one.
1: Yeah. Octavia, are you old enough to watch rated R movies? What's the first one you you saw?
0: I honestly don't know. Um, Magic Mike? 100%. No, Is I think really, really the, like, first scary so. thing that I remember was my mom's, like, boyfriend at the time playing a scary game and there was, like, crows or something in it. It fucked me up. I did not like it. I can't remember yeah. what it was called, but it was, like, on, the like, a PS2 or PS1 or something. Um, so it was back there. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it was called, but it was a spooky game. Um, then, like, after that, I think it's... My mom took me with her and a different boyfriend, um, like, a little later on, I think, in life, to go see a movie with them. And I can't remember what it was called, but it was, like, centered around, like, the cartel or something. And it was really fucked up and graphic. Like the only scene that I remember and I had I like, I was like, I can't watch the rest of this uh, because that is horrible. But they were like whipping this guy like with Ugh. an actual whip and they hit it. They were like hitting him in the face and his eyeball was like out of his face. It was so Ugh. fucking horrible. Jesus. I was like, I don't I cannot watch this. Like I, I think this
2: is good for your developing brain. Yeah, it's oh. great.
0: Um, No body horror stuff. Like I just I really can't. Do a whole lot of that. It, it fucks me up too much, especially around the face and eyes and mouth. Like I don't and ears. No, I'm good. Yeah, none of I, that.
1: I remember something similar happened to me. I was at my grandparents' house, and my grandpa put on, out of your head. Yes, my grandpa pulled my eye out. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> my grandpa was a part of the cartel. <laughs> no!
5: this
2: hurts me more than a horse hurts. You. <laughs> than a horse you? <laughs> that horse you. Would just get the eyeball out, and grandpa go back to bed. Grandpa
1: was a drinker. Uh, yeah but no he i was over at his house when i was like i don't know eight or something and he puts on the western channel and he fell asleep and i ended up watching like way too much of a movie where they were like scalping people and my grandpa woke oh, up mid scalping scene and looked over and probably saw just wide-eyed child tanner like permanently getting fucked up and he was like "Oop, uh spongebob i'm <laughs>
5: <laughs> oh, like fuck off grandpa isn't my grandpa, goddamn man cool. now
6: <laughs> oh, Give me that sorry. remote or I'll
1: scalp you. Grandpa taught oh, me how to scalp people. <laughs>
6: I don't I don't remember the first rated R movie I saw, but I my first horror movie that I watched was The Messengers. Um
5: Oh, yeah.
6: It's a good movie. I don't actually. know if I've seen that. She like was it was
5: creepy as it was um Kristen Stewart, right? Yeah.
6: Yeah.
1: Mm, interesting.
5: Back when she was like She was
6: really young Yeah. I I I don't remember. I ended up watching it again when I was older, and it was still, like, a pretty good movie. It wasn't, like, the best movie ever, but it's, like, not bad, actually. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
5: That seemed like a movie that was written for, like, a lot of 16, 17-year-olds to sneak into it at the theater.
6: I was, like, 13 (laughs) when I watched my first horror movie, I think. But my mom wouldn't let me. I loved horror ever since.
2: (laughs) I have like a couple snippets of just like I used to in the um when I was a kid, there was this house that like you would you would come down the stairs and you were like behind the couch in the living room facing the TV. So like I would just sneak down at night when I was supposed to be in bed and like watch whatever movies like my mom was watching. Also oh, it's just like the couch.
4: one of those things you see on TV where the kids like watching on the stairs.
2: <laughs> I definitely did. Yeah, but. But yeah, there was this period of time where she was watching X Files, and I saw a lot of shit that I probably oh, yeah. shouldn't have when I was like a, you know six year old or something like that. I, and it's funny because I don't remember much from like that period of time, but I definitely remember like a couple key shots from like a couple different episodes. But now for me, like um, for some reason, I like well, I had an N sixty four when I was a kid, and um, for some reason, like. My mom's buddy, like, was getting rid of a couple games, and he gave me this game called Creatures. And it's, like, definitely, like, a rated mature, like, monster hunting kind of game. I don't really actually remember what it was about, but I just remember the zombies in that game, like, made this god-awful, like, groaning, like, gurgling noise. And it used to freak me the fuck out.
6: Well, I remember we rented... I was begging my mom to uh, rent um, Haunting in Connecticut. And we were Mm. probably, like... It was was wild. Um, But... I can't remember how old we were. We must have been like 13, 14, somewhere in there. Um, and so we we convinced her, me and Talia convinced her, me and my sister um, convinced her to get it. And then they got to the part where they're like cutting off eyelids of people yeah. in like a, in a basement morgue of the house that they're living in. And she right. like turned it off. And we I was like, no, keep it on. I want to watch the movie. And she was like, nope. So I had to wait like until later in life to actually go back and watch it but she was not about the islands thing
5: (laughs) man i wonder if parents realize that that only makes it stick in your mind harder because you don't get to see how it fucking turned out and so you're just like you don't
1: get resolution
5: you're just thinking about it and thinking about like off and on for years yeah Mm -hmm. every time you're just like i want to see that shit like (laughs) parents out there it's me up so bad like yeah it's if your kid has already seen the part where an eyelid is getting snipped off by fucking scissors or whatever, whatever's coming next is probably not really worse than that. Like, Well, and
2: let me put it this way to you, too. You know, kids are crafty. Um, when my mom, when Resident Evil 4 first came out and my mom told me I couldn't play it, guess what I was doing like a week later? I was playing Resident Evil 4. Picking flowers? Like, oh, they're, respecting they're, your they're mom's play. wishes? Right, (laughs) it's like kids are going to find a way so make sure that they just you know make sure you're there with them not like
1: in opposition to them navigating that stuff yeah I never
4: wanted to find a way just saying
1: from (laughs) a bunch of people who do not have kids take our advice let your kids do whatever they want
2: Mm -hmm. they'll turn out fine just look at at us we all I mean yeah we're here you know
6: we made it we're here (laughs)
2: survive most of us are fine
1: and here we are (laughs) In Frost Knuckles' tent, or on the outside of it, rather. Flint, we left off on you, viewing the party as Star is coming out and greeting Kiarin and Bo, notably without Groth. So why don't you guys actually tell me what's happening in this very moment?
4: Uh, Before that, I would like to, based off what the guard was saying about being loyal to Frost Knuckle and not having the brand being connected to that. See if I could just kind of get an idea looking around the camp of what percentage seem to have a rune that I see.
1: Okay. Um, I think I'm going to go for... I almost think... A beer. Yeah, I think I'm going to go home. <laughs> <laughs> I am home. Go number three. I think I'm going to go number three. Excuse me. Um, okay, give me I think either per- yeah perception works here, I think
4: mm. only got a fourteen.
1: It's hard to tell
4: okay Well, I'm just gonna continue keeping an eye throughout the rest of the day on that, seeing what I can think, but okay. um, yeah. Uh, seeing Star come out without Groth and just kind of looks at her like what?
0: <laughs> and Star will uh, just not hiding much because there's not really a good way to tell them what's going on without just telling them what's going on Um she'll say we're going to allow our guests a little bit of time with him if you would accompany me to the bar, whatever they have here, I would like to grab something to eat, and then we'll come back and collect him. And she just says it in a very calm matter of fact, um, and like she's like, I don't know, I she's using her eyes to be like, trust me I'm not gonna leave him here
4: for very long. Kiaran will trust you part way, (laughs) and say, well, they can have some time with him, but he is a strong foe. I will stay nearby. Can you bring me some food?
0: And Star will give a nod and be like, absolutely.
4: Thank you for waiting here.
0: And she'll grab a uh, bow and start heading in a direction, kind of just trying to look around and see, as long as Bo wants to go with her.
6: Yeah, I mean, Bo's probably looking for a good opportunity to kind of point out the the inn and the tannery being different in in terms of like power i guess is what you were saying
0: um last episode yeah so i think as we're like walking and you're kind of giving me the scoop stars also kind of letting you know or giving you information about what she just went through in there um what else just like i I noticed that tannery the first time we checked out this place something's definitely off there and things seem a bit awry here. I'm not so sure Frostknuckle holds the sway that we think he does I agree
6: and something's up with this inn too so just be careful
4: and Can I Flint too. hear this
2: conversation from where he is? Give me a perception check
4: I mean OT. to be fair I'm sure they're trying to not let people over here yeah, I mean 25. we're we're staying yeah. away from people, but yeah.
1: With a twenty-five, I think you can gather a partial picture of this. I don't think you can hear entirely what they're saying, but you hear things like Frost Knuckle and
2: Specifically I just want to know if Flint's picking up <clears throat> that part about him not being like as much in the seat of power as we thought that he
1: was. I think yeah, I think you do okay meanwhile Groth you are left alone and this scene inside Frost Knuckles' tent is tense he holds your gaze for an uncomfortable amount of time leave us Red Star He commands the dwarf, but she doesn't move at first. Do you know what you are doing, darling? I said, leave us. His wolves begin to growl as they circle around her. Taking another moment, as in a sign of protest, she huffs and then storms out of the tent. And at this point, Star, as you're talking with your companions, you see her throw the tent aside, frustrated, doesn't even acknowledge you, turns to the left, and walks straight towards the tannery. In fact, Flint, I'm going to need a stealth check from you. Mm -hmm.
4: Was Star and Bo just standing outside, or were you
0: walking towards... We probably had taken a couple of steps, I would assume. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. You haven't... This happened pretty immediately after you guys left. Okay. 23. Okay. Red Star is walking with purpose and with anger, crunching in the snow with weight. She mumbles to herself in Dwarvish, and you can hear this, Flint. Really? bastard. What a fool. I hope Davy knows what he's doing. Obviously, Flint turns his ear to that. And she walks past where you are, but stops briefly. She looks over her shoulder, and you try to Punch away under your furs, just be unnoticed. She looks at you. Before she looks back and continues to the tannery.
2: Like eye contact or just looked in my direction? Looked in your direction. Okay.
1: Interesting. Gruff, inside the tent. You are face-to-face with Frox, Frost Knuckles. Nobody else is in here except the wolves. One of them sniffs you. Right at the back of your calf. Just... I'll kind
5: of roll my calf so we can get a better better sniff. <laughs> I'm just like... Yeah, You're trying desperately
0: to pet the doggies like with your hands tied. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, so now that we're alone, how do you get those to like you?
5: <laughs> yeah, I think... Well, yeah, actually, that was that was something Grotha was going to ask Frostknuckle at some point. Um, <laughs> no, I think Grotha's just kind of giving off an air of being, like, the model prisoner, just not acting necessarily excited to be there, but just kind of, like, knows that he's beaten. Kind of, like, you know, just trying to give off that kind of air. Uh, so, you know, Frostknuckle, I can't, uh... Can't say I haven't heard your name around the crab knocks a little bit. How'd you, how'd you get all these orcs together like this? They're animalistic at best.
1: But you're different, aren't you? To your surprise, Graf. You hear the language of your people. The language of the giants. An old, old language that has been here for a long time, but it doesn't come from Knuckle. The wolf at your calf barks, and he says, He reeks of your son,
3: Knuckle and death.
1: His sister dances around the front of you. I think we
3: shall tear him apart establish your authority with the corpse of the one zarax wants
1: frost knuckle just stares at you silently for a moment and he says i gathered these orcs with might and power and influence but i am quickly losing all of those things. Tell me, why truly does Zorox want you?
5: Well, I did tell you it's a long story. I know why Hogarth wants me. I might even have an idea why the fucking Frozen Prince wants me, but… I was the first worshipper of Xarox in maybe two, maybe three thousand years. My family used to be his keepers back in the day. Not that that counts for anything anymore, but... I guess there's no reason not to tell you. It's maybe the last time I ever tell my story. I left home when I was barely of age and I found a well way up there, way up in the Crapnox. That's where they had Zarax locked away, I'm sure you're familiar with the story.
1: Not particularly these followers of Zorox aren't quite forthcoming.
5: Well I'll put it this way. Oh, I thought. I thought. Oh, I was doing something good for the world. But this god isn't what he says he is. He isn't what people think he is.
1: The wolf, the female wolf, sits right in front of you, facing.
3: He is not lying.
1: Listen, half giant. I am no fool. I am no abomination like that priest and the torturer in the tannery. I know the lack of sun and the f- shattering of the sky is bad. Bad for everything, not just business, but life. But whatever the fuck you unleashed, there's no stopping it. This Hogoth, the. I've heard of whispers of the champion. The one who benched the frozen prince to his will. There's no stopping this. He is the harbinger.
5: That's why I'm here, buddy. That's that's why I let him bring me in. I don't know if I could have stopped him, but I figured only reason we would be right here, when a dragon comes, tells you to look for me. I think there is a way to stop him. I don't know what it is, but this is all too perfect, isn't it? There's a reason. Whoever's really calling the shots, and it's not Zorox
1: wanted me to be your captive he shakes his head frustrated exhausted give me a diplomacy roll as you make an impression here
5: it's a 17 not great
1: not great but I also don't think this is too difficult of a thing This is a man in a desperate, desperate position. He turns to you and he says. You're as good as dead. But maybe you could buy some time. Up north. By the northern gatehouse. There's a place. It's a old rundown farmhouse. They keep sacrifices going to the Frozen Prince, and to this Hogoth, I guess. We'll put you there. You use that, and he eyes the dagger in your belt. You use that. Maybe you could get out. Come tomorrow morning, I have to call that dragon. Best if you're not here. Do you not want bronze hammer? I'm not a fool. I'm not getting bronze hammer. They'll cut my head off and rise me as a latrine digger. I'm nothing but a tool to these people, and when their soil is plowed, they can plant their seeds of undeath. I'll be cast aside.
5: I think Roth is going to undo his hands. <laughs> Just pick him out and say, it sounds like we're on the same page then.
1: That's interesting.
5: And I will <laughs> Just undo my trick not real quick. Um, and I'll, uh, I'll like clear his table in the middle of the room and ja! start like my
1: miniatures. <laughs> Those were collectibles. My 1999 McDonald's Phantom Menace Cup.
2: Uh, I have a question. Yeah.
1: What the just fuck? Because this is,
2: yeah, no, just because this is getting into more of an, something that Flint would be interested in. Uh, during this conversation, can Flint have like gotten himself into a position where he could maybe be up against the tenant and hearing what's going
1: on? I think I specifically said last episode, the tent is too thick to hear through on
2: purpose. It's completely impenetrable. There's no like little weak spots that Flint could nestle his ear into on the backside perhaps. Why don't you give me a (laughs) stealth check? Okay. It's bad. (laughs) It's an 18.
1: An 18. okay I think with an 18 you cannot find a you cannot get close enough to inspect some places that you think maybe you could slide a dagger and creep in but this is a very finely built tent in any of these places that you could possibly penetrate are within okay. sight of being seen or within sight of being seen you know what I'm trying to say well, basically, I think how Flint's
2: going to Flint's going to take this as like maybe he could, but not in the amount of time that it would take where that patrol is probably going to come back around. Correct. So I think um, Flint's going to like swear under his breath, frustrated, but then I think he's going to turn his head and um, where did a red star look like she was going? Maybe towards the tannery, the tannery. I think he's going to start heading that direction, trying to follow her.
1: Okay. Okay.
5: Kiaren. And I was just gonna say, yeah, Groth is uh this is probably a way to occupy us for a second. Uh Groth is just gonna be like drawing maps showing Frost Knuckle like points of interest for him to think about and pretty much I don't know. I'm not gonna give away everything, but Sure. I'm gonna start bumping heads with him and probably spend <clears throat> sorry, uh start bumping heads with him and probably spend the immediate future just thinking of ways that we can like subvert whatever Zarex is doing.
1: Okay, I have to pee. Okay, so I will be right back. Too bad.
5: This has gone two unexpected places in two episodes. I, I did know. Not expect I'm that I was fucking... that was gonna. I just, I don't know. I had a feeling. I was like, he doesn't probably like that Zarex is here. It Doesn't seem like he does. No.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't like, know. Yeah. This is really interesting. <laughs>
5: We've had to get a fucking orc army. Don't tell Tanner I said that.
0: Uh, no, yeah. People say no pets. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> no smoking, no pets. First and last due at signing.
0: Uh, no washer and dryer. No um, bathing. No yogurt. No we noise do after hair. 9 p.m. Yeah, 5 p.m., actually. Um, $300 application, application
2: fee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Kiarin. I'm just curious if there's any chance
4: Kiarn might have seen Flint.
1: Give me a perception. You want me to roll a contested stealth roll? No, because I know your stealth rolls and this is you got
4: got an eighteen, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Well, for trying to peek in the tent, but I feel like this is difficult. Well, last episode
1: you got you rolled a two and got a (laughs) seventeen. But also hide where you were hiding, so that's I'm sitting
4: right outside the tent and you were trying to peek in the tent.
1: Yeah, that's on the back
2: but I mean, yeah, you can try to see me if you want. I just think if you're rolling to try to see me move away from the tent, that should be a different stealth roll, but that's fine. I'm not the DM. That is correct.
4: (laughs) I rolled a natural 18 for a 29.
1: A creature covered in furs. At first, I think you think that this is a hobbling, maybe lame orc, maybe an injured disabled one but you get a glimpse. Maybe it's a glimpse of one of Flint's little beard rings that shines through. And you see this small figure creep away.
4: She just kind of nods to herself. Like, I knew it.
2: (laughs) (laughs) This whole stealth engagement for having a plus 15 is going about as poorly as it possibly
4: could. And I'm not a fan
2: of it. I think I (laughs) stole everybody's
0: luck last round. I just fucking had had to keep it going. You were
1: taken from the bank for sure. God,
0: I was so scared.
2: (laughs) Specifically, I feel like whenever I do stealth, I just roll
1: like fucking shit. Well, I tell you what, you keep failing, something's gonna happen. So, (laughs) get good. Sure. What are you guys doing heading towards the uh, in currently,
0: yeah, I think so. Great. Well, Kiara's still yeah, hanging I'm, out. She said she was going to. I'm stay still hanging everything.
4: out at the entrance with the guards there.
0: Okay. Um, and Bo and Star were heading in the direction of the inn and talking about some things.
1: Okay, you guys are not very far from the inn. Star, you and Bo cross the road and get into this alleyway that contains uh, numerous buildings it's sort of an alleyway um, just in terms of it's such a well-trotted path that the snow is crunched shoveled and melted and as you get close and Kiarn, you can see this from where you are another disturbance seems to hit the camp because I just love throwing curveballs at you guys you hear shouting. None of you speak Orkish, I believe, correct? I don't think so. Excellent. You hear what you can't decipher but can probably deduce. You hear Rock Knock! Rock Knock! shouting coming from outside the gates. And you hear the distinct creaking of these wooden gates as they open, sliding across this icy, frozen ground and an orc riding on the back of a direwolf is charging through. The upper half of a corpse of what seems to be some sort of Black Reach soldier is draped over the back of his mount. And you have a front row seat here, Bowenstar, because this man strides on the back of his direwolf directly up to the inn. A crowd starts to gather around the tavern. This orc dismounts his wolf and removes the torso from the back of his mount, And he shouts, Unholy one! Unholy one! I have brought you a gift! He heaves this corpse into the snow in front of the front porch area of the Skiward dwarf.
4: Uh, if it doesn't appear like Knuckles coming out, Kieran will kind of glance over at the guards and just be like, Should you grab our leader?
1: The guard looks back at you and says, Not yet. Star, Bo, what are you guys doing? Are you joining this crowd that is gathering? You're pretty close to this.
0: I, I think... think... Oh, you go ahead. I was going to say,
6: maybe not necessarily join them, but get a little closer just for to view, for viewing's sake. What's going on?
0: Yeah, I think Star kind of follows Bo's lead, and would assume they kind of go around the side, so they get a good view, but they're not, like, really... In it. <laughs> yeah, in it, or would be targeted, necessarily, mm-hmm. as, like, someone to have some shit done to them. Um, but we want to see.
1: Okay. Where there has always been this lingering blanket of fear... It is now actively gripping anxiety. Maybe at the edge of this crowd a orc in front of you is perspirating. You can see through his furs at his neck, forehead. Everybody and everything is tense. After a few long moments, a skeleton draped in clothing that could once be considered lavish, but is long since fallen to become tattered and faded, strides out of the inn. He produces what looks to be an old broken violin and a bow. I think they're called bows. Yeah.
0: Bo, I said to not get in the middle of it. Come back over here. He's
6: like holding me like a baby. (laughs) I
1: found this.
0: Play this violin now.
1: we're dating.
0: <laughs> He's baby.
1: This musician slides the bow across the strings of his instrument, letting loose, this eerie, sh- <laughs> letting loose <laughs> this eerie sharp vile note. And behind them, a robed acolyte slowly steps forward. Her steps are surrounded by the silence of fear that grips everyone around her. And this woman is draped in a translucent black dress, thin and revealing. Somehow the unbelievable chill of the wind does not cut through her. She glides with a gentle grace, a collection of chains jingle as she descends the steps, each one of them affixed with a different iteration of the symbol of Zorox. Several of them, collections of bone or flesh. She is wielding a dark scythe that seems to swallow any light protruded on it as she steps forward, her voice sounding distant and alien.
3: What? have you to offer a great Lord Zarax, the defile of death itself."
1: This boisterous orc strides forward with a sense of accomplishment, staring into her lifeless black eyes. The sharp violin note begins to move faster and faster as this fiddler behind her seems to embrace in the tension. I brought you the corpse of an officer of the humans. He grabs the corpse by the hair and pulls it up. And it's this young man. Sharp features, maybe noble born. They say he was rich. They say he had influence and he pushes him in the sh- in the snow. And this horrible woman. Maybe not horrible woman. That's not that's not fair. This eerie woman steps forward.
3: And what, pray tell, does our great lord of eternal life, the dragon that cannot die, require with half of a corpse. It has no feet to provide labor, no skill to wield a sword, and no secrets we care to
1: learn. The orc seems taken aback. Well, he—he was—he v- was very sh- strong. He slew many of us orcs. Ah,
3: many orcs. Such a pitiful value of life, isn't it? You have done nothing but waste my time and the time
1: of Zorox. Her scythe sweeps with. A surprising grace and delicacy. And the decapitated head of this orc rolls cleanly off his shoulders. The rest of his body kneels before slumping into the snow. As she leans down, and what you can see now to be a complete skeletal hand, wraps around the arm of this orc and bestows it with a brand. And it glows as she rises the headless corpse sloppily stands and she says
3: to the wall repair what you can and once you are done you may maintain latrines I am nothing if not a fulfiller of wishes
1: and the violin abruptly ceases to play as the woman turns and heads back into the skewered dwarf. The crowd slowly begins to trickle away as this lifeless corpse slogs itself towards the wall.
6: So, she's a skeleton, too?
1: She had a skeletal hand, but the rest of her seemed to be of flesh but it was a, almost translucent flesh, like somebody who hasn't eaten or drank in days, starved as if.
0: I think Star, even though they were headed in that direction, she'll probably, like as everyone's walking away, will like grab Bo's arm um, and be like, well, perhaps we shouldn't go in there. <laughs> she'll start heading back towards the tent, um, but she'll be like, "That was enlightening, I suppose." Um, Bo, I thought had like a special score,
6: like a uh, in undeath death or what was well, it called?
1: That was in. Our yeah. last system that's kind of replaced by occultism, and you are more than welcome to give me an occultism check if you'd like. Definitely,
0: um, I'll roll two just to assist. God
6: fucking damn it, I'm rolling so bad.
0: Can I roll on my own? <laughs> sure. sure, you can both roll. That's fine. Okay, I uh, eighteen. I also got an eighteen. Yeah.
1: I think it is clear to you this is an very evil presence likely undead but the specifics you do not know though you can tell religious symbols of Zorox were adorning her so Mm -hmm. potentially this is the priestess you're supposed to be blessed by
6: i have not rolled above a 20 without a re-roll
0: yet brutal (sighs) yeah all right i have to i have to make the joke Star leans over to Bo and she's like please don't be mad at me but smash
6: (laughs) (laughs) is it the arm that's doing it for you
1: I could see I could see Bo and Star marrying the fiddler and this priestess and leaving you guys behind
0: (laughs) this is actually not that bad
1: (laughs) the The way
6: the fiddler held the bow is just enough for (laughs) Bo
0: It was so soft, you hold and gentle. Hold me like that. Yeah. <laughs> I am make also me, named Bo. Make me That's my pickup line series of notes. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs>
3: okay.
1: <laughs> okay, Flint. Uh, I hate it. Let's jump on back to you. Let's do that. What pray tell are you doing? Um, Flint's trying to
2: pick up Red Star's trail now and see where she went.
1: I think you could have very easily have followed her to the tannery. And she right. goes underneath this canopy, passes all these horrible skins, and tosses open the tent flap as it closes behind her.
2: Um, from the previous assessment, when he first kind of dropped down, is there? there's no other way into this tannery except for the front flap.
1: That seems to be the only entrance, but this is more of a um, temporary shelter. It is not actually a structure. Yeah. Um, That's kind of what I was getting at. Yeah, it's not, it, it's definitely not as impenetrable as Frost Knuckles' tents.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, Flint would love to make a back door if he can. Of course. Of course he would.
1: Alright, give me a stealth check. Okay. Better. 29. Okay, so, you're able to sneak around the back of this tannery. You find a place in this tent where it's thin, overstretched, and you slide a dagger through it, cutting it just a little bit, a little window for yourself, peeking from under a desk maybe. And inside you see and one thing I, I do have to really push upon you is once you cut this open the stench that permeates hmm. out is unbelievable in fact you need to give me a fortitude save all right Nat 20 on that for some reason <laughs> okay
2: Maybe being exposed to the hides that I was wearing kind of steeled me against it, even if it is still incredibly potent and putrid.
4: Or you know your milk gar.
2: I mean, are they comparable to the? Is the is the stench of the tannery comparable to the sweet, savory? Just break of
6: the the, uh, the milk gar, milk gar in half and stuff up. shut up your nose for good measure. <laughs> the other
0: half goes in your butt.
1: Yep. You're able to power through this. Obscene scent, and peek inside this tannery. I think,
2: yeah, Flint does react when, as soon as he cuts that flap, it's just
1: oh, by the bloody gods! <clears throat> and looking in this, just like we said, where this foul odor once was, there's it's now a thick smog that you can see in this tent. It's it's almost a haze, and instantly. The stench of death is permeating within it. This is a vile, palpable place of death. In fact, a flayed corpse is spread across an examination table, covered in a bizarre mix of old coagulated blood with fresh, discolored blood on top of it running down the sides of the table, slowly dripping. And leaning over this corpse is a woman with rotted flesh stitched together in mismatched patterns. She tinkers with alchemical regents, shaking a vial of mysterious green liquid until it glows and then pouring it into the throat of the skinless corpse. Behind her is a whimpering dwarf, stretched on a rack, shirtless, cut, scarred, with dark hair and a beard that has been hacked off with daggers. Red Star approaches the dwarf and says, Darling, I hope you found quite enough time to seep in the work of our friend here. I need you to answer these questions. Where is the other legionnaire? The dwarf shakes his head and says, there, there is no other legionnaire. It was just just me left. That's the wrong answer. You see, there is a little hunchback fucking dwarf just like us creeping through the camp. Now who am I dealing with? I don't know. Don't know, and I wanted to tell you. If I did, you witch. He spits a bloody glob of saliva at her. She just lets out the sharp curse. If you're not going to tell me anything, darling, I'm not going to leave you alive. I will let the alchemist, do whatever she wishes. And this undead thing looks up sharply and creaks her neck almost to a full 180 back at him and says (laughs) I could use a fresh cadaver. Meanwhile, Groff You have sat with Frost Knuckle. You've given him a little bit. Maybe tensed out the situation a little more. And he. Well, let me ask you what is your next step? Um.
5: Yeah, I think Roth is. Uh, after telling him, kind of. Yeah, you know, just a couple of. Maybe just, maybe subtle minor things that he's picked up about Xarox, Um in his time reading about him, things that honestly I haven't thought of as a player, but I'm sure there'd be little things that might help him control, comfort, or kind of rally his his crew, even despite Zarox's presence. Just little stuff like that. Um, I was going to say, uh, no. That dwarf. When did you meet her? Is she part of all
1: this? No. She's an outside player. She works with this gang up in Grimholt. Red Conclave. I, uh... I did some work for her boss a while ago. If we, she's where we get our coin, but she can't be trusted. Gotcha.
5: And this, uh, this priestess, I take it you didn't invite her
1: here. No. That's a gift from the Frozen Prince, or Zorox, or whoever. Her? and the alchemist, and the tannery. They're... Ever since they've been here, they've thrown everything off. The power, dynamics, everything. I had to get this brand. If I didn't, I would look weak. They'd have my head. These orcs have always respected strength. But this power that these... abominations bring... It's... it's different. It's immense.
5: It's probably more than this world could ever
1: have in it, all at once. Speaking of, I have appearances to keep up. We're going to send you to the abandoned farmhouse with the other prisoners. While you're there, be careful. There's a spirit there that's sent to keep our, the prisoners drained. Keep them weak. Stay far from it, or it'll do the same to you. Understood. And he grabs the rope from the table, hands it back to you. I'm to show you how I did that maybe another time if we don't all <laughs> die tomorrow
5: Knuckle, uh, I can't uh promise anything if I see Hogoth again too soon there's a good chance it'll be the last thing I see but I'm going to try to turn that mark on your arm into a fancy looking tattoo I don't know how yet but if it's the last thing that I do. That's how I make up for my mistakes.
1: Don't worry about it, giant. You'll be dead in the morning. And he ushers you out of the tent and the flap opens and he looks at you, Kiaren. He says, warrior. Take him to the northwest. There's a fence hut. Tell the guard at the gate I sent you. And put this piece of shit in there.
4: Karen will nod at him and go to grab Groth.
1: As you begin to head towards this dilapidated farmhouse, gated off from the rest of the camp, you realize that this is the final pillar of darkness and evil. As you head closer, you can sense the dread. And we'll pick this up next time. On the Reroll Gaming Podcast. This shit's getting intense.
6: No. Not that I thought it wasn't going to be intense, but I didn't expect like the depth of darkness that was actually in game, yeah. So
3: yeah,
2: I thought we were that just heading cool. into an orc encampment, not like the epicenter of you know every evil, evil
0: and d- darkness that's involved
2: with plunging <laughs> Rel into a you know. Indeterminate time of eternal darkness.
0: Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, at, at least, cool. it's
5: its
1: cornerstone in the Southcraft knock. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is right on. Yeah. This is a lot. Can you this guys do it? Yeah. Super fucking cool. Yeah. We'll find out. Thank
5: you. Maybe Thank you. we'll get a TPK on air.
1: That'd be sweet. <laughs> Woo!
5: That would yeah, be we'll it just
1: end whoa! the podcast and never release another episode. It. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Until they like years later, if we get yeah. calls for like a, a re-up or something. <gasps> yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Just like Futurama. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe Hulu will pick us up. (laughs) Right. Thank you for listening to the Reroll Podcast. The world of Rel and all characters within are copyright and fictitious. Any similarities to persons, living or dead, or actual events are purely coincidental. Reroll Gaming uses trademarks and or copyrights owned by Paizo, Inc. Used under Paizo's community use policy, we are expressly prohibited from charging you to use or access this content. Reroll Gaming is not published, endorsed, or specifically approved by Paizo. For more information about Paizo Inc. and Paizo products, visit paizo.com. Want to follow us on social media, listen to another episode, or send us hate mail? Check out our link tree for all our info. You can find that link in the episode description. Big thanks to Tabletop Audio for producing quality RPG music and ambiance that we could use in our games. The reroll roll main theme and all character themes are copyright Zane Gehring. The Chronicles of Rail theme and Frequency theme are copyright Tanner Prentice. Please consider donating to our Patreon or Ko-Fi if you liked our content. We are hell-bent on making more, and with your support, we can make a lot more. And leave us a review wherever you heard this episode. New episodes every Monday at 12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. See you then.